go. Another exciting episode. Right. Of with Crime. I'm Lewis. And I'm Alexi. Um, and I have for you today for our coffee another coffee that this harkens all the way back to episode 13. Oh, I thought of the that first season. Familiar. Familiar because it's Doma Coffee. Nice. Out of Post Falls, Idaho. And this is really interesting. I picked up this coffee because I was over at Iron and Grain Coffee Shop in East Moline, Illinois, very close to where we are right here. And they do they have their own um, sort of local company that they contract with, which we've tasted before. But they actually had this coffee from all the way from Idaho. And, it, you know, I mean, I, I had never heard of this coffee before. Yeah. We did the podcast. In fact, I, th- I think I, I found Doma from uh, a, a subscription service called drinktrade.com. And so I realized it was more high-end coffee on that website. And so I started... Uh, that's actually where a lot of the coffees come from. Uh, the, the, that's a lot, where a lot, I got a lot of the coffees on our podcast is from kind of using that as a source for like... Like a filter for like, what's the what's the best of the best? Right. What, are, what are the coffees that people... Um, get for sp- subscriptions when they pay pay for that. Uh, so Doma was one of them, uh, and then we they sent us uh, like this beautiful kind of retail display style three pa- three pack of different, and, and we tried them, and it was really good. Very impressed, and and uh, very sm- very family oriented company. Uh, I think. You know the the logo right here. If you'll remember, that's the owner's father. Oh, I think. Oh yeah. And then the and then the the name Doma is a, just a combination of the owner and his wife's two sons, Dominic and Marco. I think. Okay. And so yeah, um, all are, and it was great coffee. But anyway, I, imagine my surprise when here, you know, um, hundreds of miles away from Idaho, I see that this coffee that yeah. we tasted back in probably May or June is uh is here in the quad cities and so i i had to pick it up and this is a guatemala dark roast did did we have this one before we did not well we had the same bean uh there's a place in guatemala there's a a state called Uh Tenango, and we had the medium roast (laughs) uh we had the medium roast but the interesting thing is let me show you here on the screen um and and this is this is how fascinating and, and nuanced coffee is because you can take the same bean from the same country, same estate, and you can roast it and you get much different results when it's either medium roast or dark roast. And I just want to tell people that I I definitely don't want to sell myself as a expert coffee roaster because it's in fact roasting coffee was what made me (laughs) give up on it because it was so hard um but look at this when this bean is roasted to medium roast which is a very in the in the roasting process the difference between medium there's this thing called um crack second first crack second crack and the, I don't know if I've even talked about this on the podcast before, but I when you're haven't roasting... haven't heard about crack on our yeah, when, podcast before. <laughs> when you're roasting coffee, the beans start to make this popcorn sound as they, be, as they enter the stage of being drinkably roasted. Uh, before that, if you, were to, if you were to roast them really, really lightly so that the green color wasn't even gone yet, it would just taste really, really nasty, like bitter grass. 
I've tried it before. It was just very strange and gross. <laughs> but but once it once you hear this pop, and and of course there's all these beans in the roaster, so you hear this pop pop pop, just like, and I think that's why people liken it to popcorn. But that is kind of the definition. That that's the natural way of knowing. Okay, this if I want a light roast, I should start it. I should stop the roasting right now and start cooling the beans down. However, if you want to go in a medium roast, um, you can take it a little beyond that. And then second crack is what signifies that the, the beans are getting pretty, you know, uh, pretty well done, pretty yeah. <laughs> like dark roast. And where you, and that's the thing where once the beans are gone, you'll see the oils on the outside because you've, you've kind of like, you've roasted them to the point of bringing, extracting out the, the oils that are inside of them. Whereas with medium roast, the oils stay inside more. But anyway, all that to say that there's a very, time-wise, there's a very small difference between medium roast and dark roast. Back last season, we tasted medium roast, which has tasting notes of milk, chocolate, melon, and honey. But today we taste the same bean, which is dark roast. And again, that just, I mean, again, I'm not a roaster and I don't know what the difference between, the time difference is between roasting a pound and a ton. But a very short amount of time that that is required as extra roasting to get it to a dark roast. And then with this dark roast, you go from you go from that to tasting notes of warming spice, dried fruit, and brown sugar. Oh, so now I know the tasting notes. So yeah, I kind of gave it away before oh, we drank it today. But um, but I th- I thought that was interesting, and I wanted to make sure that I mentioned how different a bean can taste, a, a really high quality bean from the same estate. And how a couple of minutes really can be the difference between milk, chocolate, melon, honey. So brighter, you yeah. know, brighter flavors. And then warming spice, dried fruit, brown sugar. So those are darker flavors, a little huskier. So right. I think I've talked too much already about the t- flavors before <laughs> we try it. So here we go with our coffee and prime right, cheers. Let's give it a try. Cheers. I taste um, warming spice, dried oh, wow. fruit, and brown sugar. <laughs> I don't even know what. Do you know what warming spice is? <laughs> um, would it be like nutmeg or something? That's what I thought. Like holiday. Yeah, holiday spi- spices. Yeah. Um, dried fruit and brown sugar. There's a mild sweetness to this. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. It you is really good. nailed it again, Doma. <laughs> Doma, thank you for roasting this great coffee. Um. I let's see. I was gonna say um, we haven't tried a dark roast coffee since episode ten of Ooh, season one, whoa. which was from La Colombe. Oh, I'm trying they, to think. If, can I remember the crime that we did? Do you remember it? Hague. Oh, or John George Hague. Is that, that what it was? Might have Maybe. been the one with Doma. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Um. So yeah, this is uh, just a coffee from far away that we happened to do on the podcast, and then we found it on the shelf at a local. Co- and and again, you know, roasted um, October nineteenth, two thousand twenty. And I mean, I've I've had this here in the studio for several days already. So I mean, I mean, they, it they're getting it really, really, really fresh. It's very fresh, yeah. Which is really cool. Um, on the side of the bag, we didn't get a bag in this style. When they sent us um, the three bags, they were in half pound or in 12 ounce bags. And this one is, I think, a full 16 ounces, full pound. But, um, 
but there's some different marking on it, so I wanted to make a note of that. Uh, same style, you can you can definitely recognize the labeling and stuff, but um, there's some brewing advice on the side of the bag. Um, it says, ratio, use a 1 to 16 coffee to water ratio. Um, it talks about digital scales. I use filtered water for brewing. Brew, brew with water that's... 205 to 208 degrees Fahrenheit for light and medium roast coffees and 195 to 200 Fahrenheit for dark coffees. And I have to be honest with you, I never, um, I have this hot pot, you know, uh, with the, yeah. with the, um, the kind of like a, like a warming <laughs> device the, 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 <laughs> the spout the spout the small spout that kind of like curls up i don't know what you call it but it makes okay. it a lot easier to pour with precision oh got it got it and yeah. it stops when it, it automatically stops when it boils okay. so and that's what 212 so i always just kind of boil it and then i like let it sit for a couple of minutes yeah. so i've never been very exact about you should that. get a meat thermometer for your coffee water <laughs> i should someday <laughs> for grinding it says use grinder Maybe that's with what a, i'll get you for christmas what, okay thank <laughs> you so you're getting me a Christmas present. Oh, I guess maybe. I have to get you for Yeah, you probably something. should. You'll have to let me know what it is. <laughs> um, store coffee at room temperature away from any source of light. Rinse your paper filters. Yes, I always do this. Rinse your paper filters before brewing to avoid any papery flavors. So if there is anyone out there doing pour overs with paper filters and you're not already rinsing them and, and kind of tossing out that paper-flavored water, it, it really does make a big difference, especially when you're making it just by the cup. Yeah. Because um, there's a weird kind of bitterness, papery flavor yeah. that's that's in there. Uh, let's see. One thing that I actually need to amend from last week, I found out I I um, I lied accidentally. Oh, I made a mistake in, in one you. of my... <laughs> in one of my um, points about caffeine, and that was just the history of caffeine. I said that it started in the 19th century. That was actually, um, I was kind of skimming my notes, which mm. I shouldn't do. I should have known them better. <laughs> but that was uh, that was part of a different story. And what actually happened, which is a, the reason I'm making a note of this is because it's really a much cooler story, is the way people found out about decaf coffee, about a decaffeinating process was completely by accident. There was a shipment, an actual ship, coffee on a ship that was being shipped somewhere, and it got a bunch of water in it from the storm that that the you know the ship had undergone. And somehow the chemicals in the water and the saline actually extracted. They they, they must have been really desperate for the coffee because they didn't throw it out. They still roasted it even though it had gotten water in it. And right. they noticed that all that the caffeine was gone. The effect of caffeine was much less. And that's the history of oh. how caffeinated coffee was discovered. And uh, I was in Sweden last year at a ship museum of, of the preservation of at the, this. At the Vasa uh, Museum? Have you heard of it? <laughs> I have. I've okay. actually been there. You've been there too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool place. It is. It is. I can't believe we've both been there. <laughs> um, what a s- small world. Literally a small whole world globe. Um, the... The place where this, the only reason they were able to preserve this ship so well is because of the exact place in the water where the ship went down, which was actually very close to the shore. It was like right. a mile outside of the of the port where it departed from. And the specific uh, temperature and acidity or lack of acidity or whatever 
uh, the specific kind of water that this ship fell into is the reason why it was preserved so well. There are many places in the ocean where it would just would have rotted because it was so right. warm. Uh, so anyway, the the point of that whole thing being that even in the something as massive as the ocean, where you think of it all as all the water is being sort of mushed together, which I guess it is, but but there's there are qualities of water in different places that can have different effects, and whatever it was. However, the water was that got into this shipment of coffee in the early uh, 1900s took the caffeine out of it at least a little bit, and so right. that's what got people thinking, "Oh, we could we could take caffeine out." And that does connect somewhat to today's dark roast because, as we've mentioned before, um, dark roast coffees, contrary to what you might think, based on the darker flavor. A dark roast coffees do have less caffeine than medium right. or light roast coffees because the roasting process slowly roasts caffeine out of the bean. Um, for I really like this coffee. For me, when I drink dark roast, it's it's this. I I rarely drink dark roast, and so when I do, it's very nostalgic for me of studying in college. Yeah. Um, in downtown Chicago, there was a Seattle's Best that I would go to that they then got converted to a Starbucks, which it still is. Uh, but the, the their roasts were all, especially by today's standards, very dark. And so um, as soon as I, because it's so seldom that I do drink dark coffee, when I do, it's like, oh, wow. Right, yeah. Reading papers with my laptop <laughs> on Chicago Avenue. It's a really Brings cool back. memory. Do you good have any, memories? Do, huh? Are those good memories? Yeah, now. So, okay. you know, yeah. in, in hindsight, suffering can be redemptive. Sure. And, uh, yeah. and, so, and so at the time, it was probably not yeah. fun. But, um, yeah. but yeah. Do you have any nostalgic memories of coffee? Do different kinds of coffee remind yeah. you of? I know I've talked about before about McDonald's, too, how having McDonald's yeah. coffee. I mean, not, this, not like really i mean my parents always drink kind of the same kind of coffee so mm-hmm. i think like having that kind of coffee right. makes me think of and what kind sitting of at their table uh they always drink some ca- i know they've gone through like different brands over the years but it's mm-hmm. always like some sort of like creme brulee flavored okay. coffee yeah. um and so yeah whenever i drink that like obviously it makes me think of my parents yeah. but yeah. yeah but other than that not really yeah not really yeah but, so dark roast reminds me of Doing homework for college. <laughs> nice. Um, little description here uh, just before I wrap things up with Doma. Uh, a distinct, it says it's a distinctive dark roast with that single origin disposition. This organic coffee boasts a mild acidity and full body with a sugary sweetness that goes well with any brewing method. And um, yeah, it does talk about a mild acidity. And that that is why I don't drink a lot of dark roasts uh-huh. because... Regardless of the quality of bean, and that, that's why so many uh, expensive beans are roasted light or medium, because you really tend to hang on to, first of all, the caffeine kick. And I think medium, a lot of roasters would say the medium roast is kind of a sweet spot, medium yeah. to light, for highlighting the flavor and really getting the most out of your your bean. So um, yeah, it's it's even the best dark roast is going to be a little... And no one wants to use this word, but bitter. It is yeah. going to be bitter. Whereas, um, like when we had this Doma coffee uh, medium roast, it's just like you. All, maybe there's some bitterness, but I sure can't taste it. I mean, it's yeah. just so extremely smooth. And so, for me personally, as a 
coffee drinker, connoisseur, snob, whatever you want to call me. Um, I've, I've kind of found the medium roast is my favorite, but it's always, you know, like I say, if I want to remember doing homework in college and uh, have a <laughs> mighty fine dark roast when I do have a dark roast, this is a great one to have. Yeah. Well, good. It's a good coffee. It's really it good. Is. So is, yeah. thank you to Doma and thank you to you for yeah. doing all that thank research. You. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> Sorry. And I, yeah, I apologize to our listeners about my continual oh. um, mistakes and information. <laughs> Wait, hey, it happens to the best of us. So. I did want to say one more thing. Speaking of college memories, <laughs> memories and also brewing instructions, I, I was taste, I was tasting this coffee and I was thinking about, I was in college. It was a friend of mine that I'd made at college um, named Peter and we went to visit his um, hometown in Kenosha, Wisconsin. One weekend, we took the the uh, metro up from downtown Chicago to his house, and he was warning me about the way that his stepdad would make coffee. He says that's ah, because we were we were even at that time we were kind of like getting into coffee and kind of thinking, oh, you know, this is a good kind of coffee and this is better and, yeah. and rating it and all that stuff. And he, he kind of rolled his eyes. He's like. You'll never guess what my my stepdad does to the coffee in our coffee maker in the morning. I'm like, what does he do? He's like, he, he puts the coffee grounds in the filter and then he sprinkles sugar on top of it so he doesn't have to put it in. So the, so the sugar it's gets a good burned. Idea. <laughs> it did not taste. It's very good. But again, it's one of those things where I'm sure if he were That's to have, really funny. if Peter were to have that kind of coffee today it would like bring him right back because right. Like, no one does that no one that's sprinkles, really funny sprinkles uh, <laughs> pure you know like a uh, white sugar on yeah. top of their coffee grounds but but he did that's funny and uh so yeah again just a, like a coffee memory yeah. if anyone has coffee related memories or yeah. nostalgia uh post them on the um on the good old facebook uh comments and let us know what your memories of uh connect coffee connected memories are I guess. yeah yeah Awesome. What do you have for a crime today? Um, Well, okay, a couple things. First of all, uh, can you turn up my mic a little bit? Sure. Okay. And the other thing is, I feel like I used to have a chair that was better than the one I'm sitting in now. Okay. Did was was there a different chair in here before? Uh, There's always a different chair. Okay. Uh, They they kind of rotate out in and out. All right. I liked whatever chair was here before because I sat up higher. Okay. I will find that one for next week. Okay. (laughs) And can you turn me up a tiny bit more? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. There we go. That's much better. Everything's maxed out. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. All right. Oh, one thing I wanted to say about the Vasa Museum, Mm -hmm. um, and you talked about like the preservation of the ship, there was a thing in there that said that because of all the people in the museum, Mm -hmm. like people's breath like hot breath is like deteriorating the ship slowly right right. which is pretty gross and interesting yeah so all these people are in there you know breathing and yeah eventually over time it's gonna everything's gonna go so (laughs) yeah i thought that was very interesting yeah that's that is that was quite the museum i can't believe we were both um there (laughs) (laughs) all right 
So today we are going to talk about, um, oh, another thing. The coffee sort of, re- well, what you talked about sort of relates to our crime. Wow. And you'll again. see, you'll see why. So crazy. Um, so we, this is actually an older crime. Okay. And it's somebody that I had never heard of before, which is, you know, kind of crazy. Rare. It's another woman okay. because of the, the you know, the books that I have now. Um, so we're going to talk about Sarah Harvey today. Okay. So Sarah Harvey, um, born Sarah Jane Harvey, well... Her last name was something else. She got married. But anyway, she was born in 1895 in Wales. So I was kind of confused. Is Wales part of England yes. or is it separate? It's not England, but it's part of the United Kingdom. Right. Yeah. But it's like, is it its own country? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Welsh, Wales. Yeah. It's confusing. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I looked at a map and then I like, tried to look it up and it was just all kind of like. I wouldn't be able to describe the geography, but yeah. Okay. So that, okay, so she was born in Wales, which is part of the United Kingdom, but is different than England. Yes. Okay. As far as I know. (laughs) So as far as I could find, she grew up in a, and remained in a small town called Rill. Okay. Rill, which is a coastal town in North Wales. So eventually Sarah met and married a man named Alfred. Um, The two had children. I'm not sure how many, um, but for sure she had at least one son who was born in 1931 named Thomas. And by some accounts, he went by his middle name, Leslie. So when I was researching this, sometimes he was called Thomas, sometimes he was called Leslie. So it kind of was interchangeable, I guess. So in 1938, um, Sarah became a widow at the age of 43 when her husband passed away. So Sarah decided that she could support herself by renting out some rooms in her home, which sounds like someone else that we know (laughs) that we talked about recently. Um, yeah, so she had extra rooms, you know, her husband had passed and assuming, um, that she did have other children, most of them were probably out of the house or close to being out. Um, her son Thomas would have only been about seven at the time, but I'm thinking that he was probably her youngest child. So in the early spring of 1940, a woman named Frances Knight came to rent a room from Sarah. She was separated from her husband, who was a dentist, and although the couple was not together, her husband still felt a duty to take care of his wife because she was partially crippled, had severe muscle pain, and walked with a limp. So... He sent her a weekly allowance of two pounds, which would be about 112 pounds today, and which would be about $145 in U.S. dollars. So it really wasn't that much money per week. Okay. So it would only come out to about $580 a month in today's money. Okay. I think that's right. No, maybe it's 580 I don't know. Anyway, I did the math, and now I'm not sure I did it right. So, But it didn't seem like a lot, right. you know. But I don't know. Especially if she was, you know, having to pay her rent out of that. Yeah. But, yeah. So, Frances lived with Sarah for several years, and Sarah had other tenants as well. But in the spring of 1945, it had appeared that Frances had moved out. Hmm. Um, Sarah was asked about Frances's whereabouts by her housekeeper and other tenants, and she told them that Frances had wanted a more comfortable place to live where she could receive more care, so she moved to a retirement home in Landudno, which is um, very close to where Rill is. It's like, I think it's like a half hour west of there. But again, it's a, you know, it's right on the ocean. It's really quite lovely. <laughs> 
Um, I don't know how she was able to live in an Oceanside retirement home on that much money, though. So I don't know. A little suspicious. So in late April of 1960, 65-year-old Sarah became ill. She was perpetually tired and felt run down, but they were having trouble diagnosing her, so they kept her in the Royal Alexandra Hospital for several days of observation. So her son Thomas, uh, now a 29-year-old taxi driver with a wife and son, um, and although he had moved to a neighboring town, he was very close to his mother and he visited her very often. So he and his wife thought it would be a really nice gesture to go to Sarah's house um, and clean and redecorate it while she was in the hospital. Mm, nice. It's like a nice thing to do. It's very sweet. Um, now, growing up, Thomas always wondered about a closet at the top of the stairs. So he, when he was growing up, there was a big closet. I want to say the door was like six foot 11. Um, and he knew that lodgers had kept their belongings in there in years past, but it had been locked many, many years ago and never opened again. And, mm. you know, he never went in there. He didn't know what was in there. So on May 5th, 1960, while his mother was in the hospital and while him and his wife were, you know, cleaning out her house and all that, Thomas decided to jimmy the lock and finally see what was inside. Although he never could have imagined what he found. We'll be back right after Uh, As he opened the door, he was greeted with a horrible musty smell Strips of fly paper covered in dead flies, cobwebs, dust, dead spiders. And if that wasn't gross enough, he then noticed a shriveled up foot, which led his eyes up to a mummified corpse. The corpse had been wrapped in a blanket that had been that had now deteriorated and crumbled. So when they actually moved the body, the blanket like fell off in Uh. in chunks. Um, So not knowing, you know, what the hell happened, he called the police, of course. So the police came to the scene, um, they removed the body, and they took it to the coroner's office. And then they went to the hospital to speak to Sarah. Like, Mm. hey, Sarah, what's going on? (laughs) There's a mummy in your closet. (laughs) Um, So when they told Sarah what they found, her response was, oh, goodness gracious, She had no clue. She acted surprised by what she had been told. So the police asked her about the possibility of it being the body of her once tenant, Francis Knight, um, since they heard that she had left without a trace years earlier. And I'm not sure how they knew that. I don't know if maybe the housekeeper had said something or maybe her son, um, but somehow they knew about her. So she told them the story of her moving away, but the police were unable to track her down. So they tried to find her. They tried to, you know, go to Lund- Lundadna or whatever the town is called, but they couldn't find her. Uh, and meanwhile, an autopsy had been ordered. Hmm. So it was determined that the body was mummified because there just so happened to be a draft that was blowing in from a vent in the storage closet, which created the perfect conditions for mummification, wow. which reminded me... Of what yeah. you were talking about with the Vasa Museum and Interesting. preserving the ship. It's crazy. Just the perfect conditions. That's all it takes, hmm. you know? Interesting. So they could not say for sure the cause of death. However, the body had a pair of pantyhose tied so tightly around its neck that it left marks on the mummified skin. Yeah, I would say that's <laughs> Probably the cause of death. Yeah. 
That's kind of what they were thinking. Um, And they discovered that the body was that of a woman between ages of 40 and 60 years old who had most likely walked with a limp and had been right-handed, but had difficulty identifying it. Um, Dental records were of no use since the woman wore dentures. Um, They were able to determine that the body had the same blood type as some of Francis's family members, but that was still not definite proof. I mean, they needed a confession from Sarah. So after pressure from the police, Sarah realized that they were not buying her story, and she decided to change it. She told them that one evening, Francis had called to her because she was suffering from a cold and experiencing terrible muscle pain. Sarah, being the sweet landlady that she was, went downstairs to make her a cup of tea, and when she returned, she found Francis lying on the floor of her bedroom saying, I am an awful, I'm in an awful lot of pain and would rather be dead. Sarah didn't know what to do, and she wasn't strong enough to help her up, so she left her there and went out for the evening. <laughs> Why story. not? So, and then when she returned later that night, Francis was dead. So, like anyone would do in the situation, instead of calling for help, uh, she somehow found the strength to pick up her body, her now, like, literally dead weight body off the floor, and shove it in a closet. And, you know, leave it there for the better part of two decades. How does that explain the pantyhose around the neck? Well, you'll see. Okay. So, um, yeah, shockingly, the police weren't buying her story, especially given the fact that there had been pantyhose tied around her neck. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sarah had been collecting Francis's money from her husband all these years. Uh, So she ended up collecting a total of 2,099 pounds, which in U.S. money at the time would have been about $150,000. Okay, so that's where the money's coming from. Yep. So Sarah was arrested and a trial soon began after. So at the trial, the prosecution argued that Sarah had strangled Francis to death with her pantyhose so that she could collect her checks. And the defense argued that the cause of death had never been determined and that tying pantyhose around your neck was a cure for the common cold, which was consistent with Sarah's story about Francis having a cold. What, what, was there a time when people actually did that with? <laughs> I mean, I, I think there was. Okay. So, I mean, I guess it was like. It's like bloodletting and tying your own. <sighs> tying your own yeah. underwear around your throat. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe the idea behind it was that it was like, um, you know how like, I don't know, if it's cold, you'll put like a scarf on to keep your... <laughs> like if there's an appendage of your body that <laughs> is causing you pain, you just like cut off the circulation to it? Uh, well, I don't think that's the idea behind it. I don't no, think I... you like wrap it so tight that you strangle yourself. I think it's just maybe for like warmth or... yeah. But why not put like a scarf around your neck or something? Yeah, something more warm, warm and yeah. I don't know. Um, so yeah, so when the verdict was turned over, Sarah was found not guilty of murder. Wow, hired some good lawyers with that. Mm-hmm. Yep, pounds. she was, however, found guilty of fraud for collecting the checks and ended up serving fifteen months in prison for that crime. So, Sarah was released from prison in the middle of 1962, and she went to live in a nursing home where she died of cancer shortly thereafter. Hmm. So, yeah. So, what do you think? Do you think Sarah got away with murder? Yeah. (laughs) And why do you think 
she did. Yeah, I mean, money is usually a pretty clear motive. Yeah. If there's, but why do you think she got away with it? Like, why do why do you think they didn't find her guilty? Um. I mean, that could be for a variety of reasons. I really don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to hear more about the, like the cases that the defense and the prosecution. Right. Made. Definitely. She, one thing, she did look like a very sweet lady. Okay. Yeah, that can be. Like, if you see a picture of her, she, you, I mean, you would never think that someone like her would do that. Yeah. You know, and I think because she probably didn't have a history of, like, violence and stuff. Right. Maybe they just couldn't, you know, and the fact that she was a older woman, you know, not, like, intimidating. I don't know. Did they, um, oh, she wasn't convicted. Do you have any opinions about how specifically she killed her? I mean, I think she strangled her with her pantyhose. But, like, do you think she drugged her first or was there, because dr- drugging is very common in female Well, uh, this woman sure was, someone... by all accounts, this woman was very frail. Oh, so okay. she was crippled. She was sick. Okay, she had, okay. like, muscle yeah. problems. Wow. You know, she. I mean, she may have been on medication, too, that maybe, like... If she was on like some kind of muscle relaxer, I mean, she would have been like more. It wouldn't have been hard. Malleable. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's pretty crazy that this woman was able to carry this. I mean, and I don't know how. It did say that she was five foot four, but I don't know how much she weighed or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, that it would be hard to. Ca- I mean, I mean, I'm sure she probably dragged her, but still. Yeah, and it's hard to believe that she thought she could just leave her in a closet forever and, yeah. and not no one would ever find it. And the thing is too, like she didn't know that she the conditions were perfect for her to be mummified, mm-hmm. which was actually better because when bodies are mummified, they don't have that like intense odor. decomposition odor. Right. Um, but she didn't know that. So yeah. she was putting a dead body in her closet. For all she knew, it could have been, you know stinking up her house I mean, for the yeah. next 20 years. I mean, na- neighbors would be able right, to smell that yeah. kind of thing. It wouldn't yeah. just be someone in your house. And I actually looked up on a Google Maps the where she lived, okay. the house. Yeah. I found it. It's still there. Oh, wow. And it's like, um, I don't know if you'd call it like a row house where they're, yeah. they're all like together. Mm-hmm. Like European style. Yeah. So if you lived in a situation like that and sh- if she had other ten- tenants at this time, like people oh, would have... Yeah. So I don't, yeah. So it was the air conditions, I guess, that um, that kept it from even probably being discovered way earlier. Right, yeah, that, so. But, uh, some people always get curious about closets that can't be opened. <laughs> or maybe she did know that it was good conditions. <laughs> no, maybe she did, maybe, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so I, interesting crime. And again, I hadn't, um, I hadn't heard of that one before, so. so. As far as anyone knows, that was the only murder yeah that mm-hmm. she probably committed right i mean who knows honestly but yeah i mean that's all that that came out i mean i don't know how her husband died that would be interesting to know mm-hmm. um because she was only 43 when he died so i'm assuming he was probably around that age which is very young yeah so I'm wondering, and I did, I tried to find that. I really searched for that, but I just, I could not find it anywhere. Um, but yeah, wow. interesting to know how he died. 
And if any of her other tenants ever like disappeared, <laughs> moved away. Yeah, death Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, today's the uh, day before Halloween. So that'd be a, that'd yeah, be a good, um, yeah. <laughs> a good idea for some. <laughs> I feel like show. this is a good Halloween crime. It's it is. about like a mummified yeah, body, literally, literally walking yeah. to sp- into spiders' dust and <laughs> a, a foot, which reveals a whole corpse. <laughs> Oh, I did want to mention too. So last week we said that you were doing the crime this week. Yes. So I just wanted to mention that in case people were confused. Oh, right. If they were like psyched for your crime. For our next episode, I will be And now they're very let down. I will be bringing the crime. (laughs) I hope to not let people down. No, no. Um, But yeah, so next week or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I always have crimes ready to go. (laughs) So whenever. Yeah. Whenever works for you. Um. Well, mine mine will balance things out back to the the male um, cases because this excellent. this guy was a uh, was a uh, a guy. Oh, we should do a murderer. thing where like I talk about female murderers and then you talk about male murderers, <laughs> murderers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been studying. I've, I've I'll, I'll talk about it on the episode, but I've been I've been reading a book that uh, um, a friend from around here loaned to me, and mm-hmm. um, it's a local. Yeah, local crime. I'm I think it'll be our first. Definitely, it's our first all, local our first, crime. Like, yeah, local quad city crime. Mm-hmm. So I am cooking that up. I'm excited. Roasting it just like some beans. I can't wait. To medium to dark. I can't <laughs> wait. Oh, I wanted to mention something sad. My coffee maker died this morning. Whoa! How long did it last? R.I.P. Mr. Coffee. Mr. Coffee. Um, f- about five years, I think. Okay. So, well, I mean, that's a pretty good long life for a coffee maker. Probably every day, maker. right? Using it every day. Using it every day. How did he go? Um, so, my roommate always makes me coffee in the morning. Mm, nice. Um, so, it's ready to go when I wake up. So, <laughs> it's <a nice> <laughs> not a really nice roommate. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, I went to press the button and it came on, you know, it lit up. Yep. And then I went to do something else and I came back a few minutes later and it nothing had happened. But oh. the the on button was on, but it nothing happened. So I uh-huh. like I turned it off and on again and I unplugged it and I like shook it and it just nothing happened. And then once I plugged it back in again and tried to hit on, it didn't do anything. Yeah. That's so <laughs> I had to I just w- went to Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Cuz there's a drive-through and it's close. Yeah, right. To my place and it's so. good because we've tasted and it's it on, good on yeah this show. <laughs> yeah so yeah but wow. i yeah well, have to get a Mr. new Coffee. one yeah i was pretty sad yeah but um we've got some construction going on outside i guess we <laughs> guess that's our cue to go this episode of coffee with crime thank you for listening everyone um we will be back with another episode for you soon and, and uh, I want to thank Alexi for researching our crime today. Um, very you. interesting case. Thank you. And uh, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And we'll see you next time. All right. We will take our coffee with crime. <laughs> <laughs>